Hey everyone, it's Lena and Megan from Enlightenedhood. Welcome to Soul Lift, where we're vulnerably sharing motherhood stories that don't fit the rhetoric we've been taught to believe. We're getting real and honoring all truths, sharing journeys from women who are using self-empowerment, mindfulness, and spirituality as a means to create their own path. Through this global anthology of mindful and spiritual motherhood stories, we hope that by giving these brave women this platform, we can heal together and all feel a little less alone. There is so much power in our story, and the more we can share and help those who come after us, what a beautiful world this can be one where we all know our own strength and beauty. So we hope you find inspiration here today and find empowerment and validation in your own truth because everyone can use a soul lift. My name is Meg O'Neill and this is my story. Tell me about... What was that event that started you on this journey of mindfulness and spirituality? That event would be motherhood in general. I think I've always been a spiritual person. I grew up in a very um, religious home and um, my family is very devout Catholic. And I grew up always going to Catholic school and um, was always just surrounded by the lessons of just like living life with the spiritual component and, and doing so treating others as like how we would want to be treated and stuff. And that's what I took away from the Catholic religion. Cause we don't practice, um, Catholicism anymore, but I have just always been, um, very in tune with spirituality and, living like for a purpose. And I feel like that is like a huge component of my spiritual journey, like serving others. And so motherhood really impacted that and kind of got me, pushed me even further on the journey because at the time of having my first son, I still was a practicing Catholic, but it wasn't something that resonated with me. Like I knew it was just there was a different path for me and I was fearful of making any changes or hurting anybody. So, um, but then becoming a mother really taught me how you have to live for, you have to live your truth in order to come across as the most like filled up version of yourself. And the more you keep suppressing those feelings of um, what you are in tune with, it's just like leads you down a road of either depression or anxiety or um, so I realized that wasn't the path that I wanted to take for my kids. So um, uh, we started becoming way more into yoga and mindfulness um, about probably, I think it's about three years now, our oldest son, who is um, on the autism spectrum, he was um, four years old, and he fell out of a second story window. And he was completely, well, not completely fine. He did break both of his feet. But other than that, he was 
pretty good. Like he was very resilient. Um, but after seeing how quickly something like that could happen and how it could have went in a completely different direction, um, my husband and I both really suffered from anxiety and, um, my husband started having panic attacks that were really impacting him. And he would share, and he shared that with me. And when he did, it kind of gave me the permission to see, oh my God, like, that's just how I live my life. I thought that, I thought that everybody felt like this. So, um, once that came to be, and once I got that permission, you know, um, quote unquote, I, we really started um, diving into finding ways that, that we could reduce that anxiety. And um, we did so by meditation and um, we both took yoga teacher training together. And then that, that's where it all kind of like really started to, we saw what an impact it made on us. Then it made it a little bit easier to say like, this is the path that um, really resonates for us. Did you find any resistance from your family when transitioning and letting go of that Catholicism into stepping into more mindfulness and spirituality? Definitely. And um, we still do. And and it's not something that um, is like contentious, really. I think that my um, parents understand where we're coming from. They might not completely agree with it, but they're very proud of their children and how much we have done and how much we give back to our communities. And like, those are the things that we do talk about. And I think that they, they, they know that we're still instilling those values in our children, maybe just like in a different way, but yeah, there definitely has been some hard conversations over the years. And I, I know that in some ways it does um, disappoint my mom, which doesn't feel great. It makes me upset, but it, I also know that in the deepest part of her heart, she just wants us to live authentically and, um, you know, be, be the most happy versions of ourselves. So. So what has really given you that power to own your truth and step into that authenticity? A few things have. So I, um, have always been like a voracious reader and self learner, like educating, you know, educating myself. My favorite books have always been self-help books since I was like, like 10 years old, I would take them out from the library and stuff. So just, um, you know, filling my time with reading books of other women who have made those choices. And, um, then also my husband, like he is just always so supportive of, um, me doing what feels authentic to me. And he's always so encouraging around that. Um, and the, the same with my sisters as well. I have three sisters and I have one brother too. And, um, I think the encouragement having that, like that group of women since we were little who always encourages each other, even though we might not always agree, um, has given me the, like, the strength to kind of step into the things that might be not seen as like the norm, but when you feel supported, um, it's a little bit easier. What advice would you give to any woman who is really looking to show up authentically and step into that version of themselves? Well, I read a quote from the new Glennon Doyle book and it's, um, when a woman finally learns that pleasing the world is impossible, she becomes free to learn to please herself. And that just really stuck with me. And I think 
when you can try to embody that, you can impact other women. So we look for each other. Women have the tendency to look outside of themselves for that validation. So if you can surround yourself by other women that are really stepping into their power, really living authentically, I think it gives you the permission, even though we, you know, we shouldn't be searching for permission, but it it, it says to us like, look at, she's doing it and she's okay. So, you know, my advice would always be to like surround yourself by, even if you're just doing it on social media, like curating your feed, so you're only seeing the most positive women, the women who are truly living authentically that are not just doing it for the likes. Um, and taking steps like that, I think gives you the confidence to then say, okay, this is, this is my truth. This is my power. And then seeing that impact other women and really kind of can spur you along the journey. What kind of self-limiting beliefs did you have to let go in order to step into that space? Oh, I have, I've had, I've had a few, I still have them sometimes, but I think that one of the, the more recent ones is that, um, kind of like I, the, the self-limiting beliefs around whether I'm worthy enough. Um, and I, I think that's a constant, um, I don't want to say battle, but it's a, it's a con- constant area of uh, self-growth for me and just, realizing that I am completely worthy of whatever success I have or um, worthy of the amazing family that I have. So that that is definitely one um, that I've been working on a lot lately. I feel like we it's a never-ending cycle. Yeah. Just <laughs> working through them. <laughs> so you get to the next step and then you're like, okay, I got to do this all again from a different a different lens. So tell me about this, this new life chapter of helping empower others through um, creating calm in the chaos. It has been the, it's been so, so rewarding because something that I have kind of developed on my own, like a practice of mindfulness, um, really learning about how stress impacts our body, impacts our health, um, how we need deep rest and relaxation in order to get into that parasympathetic nervous system, which is then going to help us do, you know, physical healing and emotional healing. Um, All of those things that I kind of took for granted, I realized that other people didn't think were as simple as I did. So I would have a lot of people coming, asking me little questions here or there about meditation. And so I, um, put together a challenge, a stressless challenge for people. It was a two week challenge and it was amazing. Um, it was amazing to see, I had a bunch of different ages of women. Um, some were moms. Well, some weren't moms, most were moms. And just to hear the feedback of like how these simple breathing techniques have like impacted their day. Um, it really, really has excited me and made me want to keep going further in this and like helping women one-on-one create a life that feels aligned and a life that feels um, peaceful. With a child who is on the spectrum, how has mindfulness played a role in parenting? It's played a big role. So one, it has helped us incorporate um, a mindfulness practice for them because I think we, from the very beginning, 
um, saw just how he could get unregulated, like how he, his body needed certain things to feel safe and how he needed to be taught these tools that might come a little bit easier to people. So that right away, um, we started using with our kids, which, you know, definitely makes a difference um, when we are able to use it and like put it in into practice. And then um, with myself and my husband, when we got the diagnosis of autism, um, the one of the one of the statistics that I read was like 75% of people with a child with special needs end up getting divorced. And my husband and I said to each other, like, we just looked at each other, we're in the car and we're like, that's just, it's not going to happen for us. Like we're going to do whatever we can to always be on the same page and find ways to support each other so that we could be the best parents for all three of our kids. We only had two at the time, but, um, so that mindfulness, because we have this shared goal and we know how important the mindfulness is, we give each other the space to do that. So like, if he comes down and he sees that I'm having like a crazy day, he'll say like, okay, why don't you go and meditate or go take a bath or something? And it, it seems like a little simple thing to do, but just that communication um, and that support has really helped us like form an actual mindfulness practice and squeeze it into our day. What advice would you give for anyone who's really looking to nurture themselves, especially parents with kids with special needs? The advice that I would give is to just start small, because I think that when you get that diagnosis, you're kind of, you seem, it seems like there's a huge mountain in front of you. And you're like, how am I going to chip away at this? Do I have to, I have to do, I have to climb it all in one night. And that's not what it is. It's like, you have to just add little things into your day. So whether that's two minutes of breathing while you're sitting in the school pickup line, or it's grabbing a really positive um, self-help or spiritual book that you could read one page out of, um, it's just adding those little tools to your toolbox every week, every day. And then also, I, I really... Have found so much value in finding someone who's a little further down the road in this journey to support me. Um, so you know, finding even if it is finding people online or finding people in your local community that can say like, "This is how I did it," or "This is how I squeezed it in," because a lot of um, kids on the spectrum too have have sleep issues. And a lot of people would always tell me like, Oh, just wake up in the morning before, before the kids and you could do it then. And I was like, I don't, people are not understanding what my life is like. Like if I wake up at 5am, he hears me cause he's not, he's hardly sleeping. So, um, I have found it easier to kind of sneak things in when you have those little moments of quiet. So when you have those mindfulness rituals, what does it look like for you? For me, the number one thing is just breathing. I think that we really take for granted our breath and we take for granted on how our breath can bring us back into our body. Um, something that I didn't realize until like my 30s was this feeling of disassociation from my body, like just living on the outside, living in this frenetic anxiety kind of state. And over the last year or so, I have realized that those deep breaths, those breaths that travel all the way down to your belly, 
they are the things that bring you back inside. And that is the time when you are going to get the answers that you need. We look outside, we keep asking outside. Um, so just taking that time, and it, it sounds so simple, I think that we overlook it so often, but just spending three minutes breathing, quieting our mind, um, really for me makes a huge impact. And I, I, after I finally realized that I really was struggling with postpartum anxiety and depression, I started seeing a psychiatrist who specialized in a meditative technique called inner space technique. And she, her, it was a kind of like you talk for part of your therapy and then you go into this meditation and doing that. I think I was able to then train my body to be more receptive to those times of when three minutes of breathing was all I was going to get, but it helped me drop into that state of really of a true like rest and healing. How has meditation and breathing, how has that changed you as a person? It has just given me so much more control over my emotions. Um, and, and not, not to say, like, I think that it is so important that we feel all of our emotions. And I think that that is where this has really helped. It's helped me maybe not control them, but feel through them in a productive way that has then led to growth. So, um, after I started on this journey, I also gave up alcohol for 19 months, I think it was. and. Um, it just was like that other step to just take away anything that would numb and inhibit me from feeling through feelings. So that next layer just like helped me get deeper and deeper with the breathing and meditation to really feel those things, see where I need to heal and then grow from it. I do have been working towards removing all of those things. And it's really hard, but once you realize what they are and once you realize how you feel without them, I think it's a lot easier to remove them. So what advice would you give for someone who wants to really be in that true presence in their body and want to make those shifts? Where do we start? Uh, again, I go back to reading because I have just found so much support in reading. There's a book called um, Drink. And it's all about alcohol, the relationship women have with alcohol. Um, and that then led me to even thinking about like caffeine. And I did give up caffeine for like two months, but that was a little bit harder. <laughs> to me, that was harder. Um, and then again, I really used social media to support me. And I followed a bunch of um, sober curious accounts and sober accounts and kind of connected with other women who were, you know, they might not. Um, identify as an alcoholic, but they identified as wanting to just remove that layer of numbing themselves. And from their stories, I really learned more about myself and it gave me that strength to say like, okay, I am going to do this. And yeah. Yeah. What has it changed your awareness or the way that you perceive your reality after removing all of those things? It definitely does because I think that I, for a long time, I was scared to feel the deep feelings, like the scary feelings. And that's not to say, like, as you said before, too, like, we're on this constant journey, like, you're always going to have 
a struggle in one area, you know, going on or something that you're working towards. But um, removing them definitely made me look way deeper into who I was surrounding myself with, um, what I wanted to portray to the world. And then because when you give up alcohol, especially like you find out who is your true friend and who is not because people just start falling away. Like, um, and people didn't understand. And because I, I wasn't an alcoholic, I was just, drinking more than I wanted to be. And, um, so people did not understand people. Um, so it really, and it, and it made me look at like deeper into why I always wanted to be liked or why I did things to kind of fit in. And, um, so yeah, it makes you, it makes you go to the depths of, of those issues and, um, really look hard at them. But that was the challenge that I was in for. Like, that's what I kind of signed up for too. How has challenging yourself and pushing your awareness and your connection with your highest self, how has it changed you as a parent? It has um, made me a much more calm parent. I um, wrote an article. I was just sharing it with somebody this yesterday. And I wrote an article after my second was born for the website Motherly. And it has gone viral a bunch of times because so many people can relate to it, but it's not something that we talk about a lot. And it's about how my postpartum anger came out and that it came out because of the anxiety. And I can a hundred percent say that I just, I don't have that anymore. And I have, and anxiety is something that I still work on and, but I have the tools, but I never, I don't have that anger. And, um, that's something I will always be so proud of and so happy that I did the work because when I, got to the point of having such strong anger through my anxiety, I knew it was time for me to take medicine. And I have never been a medicine person. I was something that I really didn't want to do. And when I did, it helped me kind of get out of my own way. And from there, I then found a psychiatrist that I could work with to wean off the medicine and incorporate that meditation. And in order to do that, it was a, is a big financial sacrifice for us. And it was a, it was a time sacrifice. Um, but it completely changed my life and it, it honestly made my husband and I just connect so much more and really realize the, the things that we want our children to, you know, when they walk out of the house, when they leave, you know, for college or move out, like the, the real true lessons, like we want them to feel, it gave me the space to work on those instead of just like working on the little bits of anger that I was having, like the little problems that were coming up from that. So what advice would you give for any mother who thinks that mindfulness or this type of conscious lifestyle isn't for them? The advice I would give would be number one, just, um, I would dare them to spend two minutes doing deep breathing and, and feel the difference in their body after that. Um, and it doesn't, we're so overwhelmed and we're so stressed out. We think that that one little thing isn't going to help us. Um, but I see it in every yoga class that I teach. I see it in every group that I run, how it shifts our 
perspective and it shifts the feeling in our body. So I, I would um, encourage them and challenge them to try that. And then just not to get overwhelmed with the journey. Find somebody that can support you, one, and two, just start with little steps. Thank you for listening to Soul Lift presented by Enlightenhood. For a complete library of mindful and spiritual motherhood stories, visit enlightenhood.com backslash soul lift or find us on Instagram at soul lift anthology. Also be sure to follow us Enlightenhood on Instagram at Enlightenhood. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.